Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. We're your hosts and PGA golf coaches, Piers Ward and Andy Proudman. Each week we're going to share with you our 20 plus years of coaching experience to bring you top tips, the latest information and trends, along with some of the world's best in the golf industry to help you play the best golf of your life. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it and help you take charge of your game. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. I think we see you every every year now, the last few years. Three it's, or four uh, times a year, I think, at least. Always good to catch up and, uh, and spend a bit of time with you. Um, one of the funny things, actually, Pierce, when we asked Derek to come on the show, the first thing he said was, can I cuss? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing he said, which is great. It's, uh, no, it's great to have you on here, Derek. And uh, what we wanted to do today was really talk more about... Um, some of, the, some of the stuff that you've been doing with your current players and obviously specifically more to do with putting. But before we get into that, can you just talk a little bit, give the listeners a little bit of a brief history of yourself for sort of what you've done and what sort of led you to where you are today? Yeah, um, back in the early 90s, uh, I started picking range balls at Torrey Pines when I was in college. Uh, played basketball in college. Um, worked for uh, a really nice pro Greg Casagranda just managing a driving range and I, I hit a thousand balls a day and that was mainly what it was for. Uh, moved to a golf course called Steel Canyon and worked for Jeff Johnson and he, at, at that point I knew I wanted to be in the golf business but I knew it wasn't good enough to play. Um, found that out pretty quickly just playing local Golden State tour events with you know kind of guys that are struggling on mini tours and getting whacked, you know, shooting yeah. 69 and they shoot 63, you know, and that's the best I could have done and that's, you know. So Steel Canyon uh, started teaching juniors there, went to the first T program, well, the, basically the, um, I think it's kind of like the benchmark of what the first T was. So it was the Pro Kids Golf Academy. It's the first kind of, it, it's, it was the first first T program in the world. Okay. And Diedrich Holmes was the general manager there, and I, you know, kind of made my mistakes and and learned how to put together a development program for for kids. It was so it was free. All you had to do was show up, and I kind of cut my teeth teaching there. Started working with some of the kids that they started winning scholarships to go to school, and I was like, okay, well, obviously something's going right. Um, Tiffany Joe, I got Tiffany Joe out of that program and she plays on the LPGA Tour. She was kind of my first really good player. <clears throat> she was an All-American at UCLA uh, for four years. I think she won the stroke play before they went to match play for the, I, I don't know how long they've been playing match play in the national championship, but before they went to match play, I think she was low medal um, her senior year. She won the public links twice. Um, she's a really good player. She's still great. I mean, she's awesome. But uh, from there, uh, from Pro Kids, I went to Mission Bay and taught full-time. Um, met my wife, and she stopped working and <laughs> likes to spend all my money, so I got <laughs> so to work. But from, from Mission Bay was another golf course called Riverwalk, and then Stadium Golf Center, who they're like family to me. If, if you're ever in town and you want to do something on a, on a practice facility, go to Stadium Golf Center. They have yeah. batting cages there. It's, a, it's just kind of okay. a cool place, but... Great pros. Monty Leong is kind of the manager there, and Barry Malberg is the owner with his brother Scott. And I mean, they, they have some of the best instructors there too. Yeah. So, and then here, 
originally I was going to go be the director of instruction at the at the Jim McLean School at PGA West, um, and I told Sean Cox, who's our director of golf, obviously, um, hey, what do you think about me going over there? And he's like, well, why don't you come over here? And this, I've been at the Grand Del Mar for 10 years. Yeah, beautiful place here. Oh well, my isn't God, it? yeah, it's just, I mean, I pinch myself every time I drive on the property, it's crazy. Yeah, so absolutely. we're lucky, I mean, we're spoiled. Yeah. Well, you guys know, you guys come yeah. here. So. We do quite a bit it of is. filming here now. Yeah. This is fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And now obviously you're working with players like Charlie Hoffman and a few guys on the tour, and obviously one of the sort of newer kids on the block, Xander Chauflet, who's yeah. uh, had an incredible couple of years, really, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he is, you know, specifically about Xander and his family, He's just one of the best guys you ever met. His parents, his mom, Pingy, and his dad, Stefan, have raised a just a good person, you know, and it's just awesome to see him like flourish on the golf course. Um, his dad is his coach, you know, he does all of his swing stuff, short game stuff. He they entrusted me with his putting. Um, he was roommates with a guy named Mike Konecki that played at San Diego State. I met him his junior year. Um, so we've been at it for five or six years now, ish, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, and Mike said, you know, I have this kid that's a, my roommate, and nobody hits it better than this kid, right? But he can't make it from three feet, so he has to hit it inside three feet to make. <laughs> and he did, and he did. Yeah. You know, he would go around and he would just stuff it all day long, and you know, shoot sixty six. And it's like, well, what's the longest putt you made all day? And he'd say, well, the longest putt I made was from six feet. And it, was, it was really kind of incredible to see, you know, how good of a ball striker he he, yeah. he was and is. I mean, you don't win. No. And so he's got three wins he's now. Three wins now. Yeah. yeah. And one of them's a world go and and the tour, tour championship. championship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so his like he's he's got ice in his veins. Like the moment he doesn't care. Who he's playing with. Um, funny story about him when he first turned pro. Um, it was Charlie, Xander, um, Danny Ochoa, who played at USC at the time. He was an AM, um, and Phil, and they had a little game, and Phil was giving him the needle like only Phil can do. Like we get on the first tee, and they're like, "Okay, what's the game?" And Phil goes, rookie, what's the game? What are we playing for? I have five bucks, 50 bucks, 500 bucks, 5,000, 5 million, whatever you want, let's go. <laughs> and Sanders looking at me like, uh, <laughs> 50 bucks. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, Phil's, okay, Charlie, me and you have this, you know, Xander, I'll take the, I'll take the am, you know, if you lose, I'll cover your bets. If you win, you can keep it type of thing. I mean, Phil's great. And so they get this game there on the first tee and, and Xander looks at me and he goes, Dude, I don't have any money. I'm like, you better play good. <laughs> Drives it on the first, you know, the first hole is 345, kind of down downhill. Yeah. Xander hits it on the front edge of the green. I think he shot 31 that day. He shot minus five with no money in his pocket and took Phil for a couple bucks. More, yeah. yeah. And Phil's like, okay, I have to leave, but we're going to play again. <laughs> Phil's, Phil's great. But that's that's Xander in a nutshell. I mean, he's he's, you know, Stephen Fox bogeys his last hole to put Xander in on the number from for Q School. Okay. Otherwise, he would have missed by one. Yeah. But he's top forty in ties, so he has conditional status, mm. and then the rest is the rest is history. But yeah, we, brilliant. We first saw him at Aaron Hills, didn't we? Actually, he was one of our players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, he was actually 
uh, played nine holes and he was he was like, oh, okay, this guy can hit it. Yeah. Never heard of him before, never seen him before, yeah. and then suddenly there's this guy who's just ripping it. That was kind of top his coming 10, out party. He? That was he, top, top, 10, 10, top 10, top 5? Yeah, top 5, I think. Yeah, top 5. Yeah, T5, and um, it, it's interesting with Xander, um, he always kind of gets hot, like when the summer starts. Um, and we promised we'd never say this, but um, last year, I'll say it to your listeners. Last year, we worked really hard to try and win at Torrey. Yeah. And he played a lot of practice rounds. We were charting the greens. You know, we knew everything, really. And come to find, so he misses the cut by one. And he hit it really good that week. Hit it good, just didn't make anything. And so Saturday after we came over and we were gonna putt, and he's like, man, I, you know, there's something going on. I don't, I don't know what it is. So we, we got on the Sam Putt Lab. We looked at his stroke, we look, and everything looked really, really good. And his dad's sitting on the grass, and he's got Xander's putter, and he goes, hey, look at this. And he's holding the putter up. And you know the putters that have that mesh face? Mm -hmm. it's, like a, it's like a razor thin metal, and it's kind of glued in there. It had come loose. But he never, he never made an excuse. He never told anyone. No, no, no. But the, the, the mesh had come loose. That face insert had come loose, and it was sticking out. And Stefan's got his finger, and he's prying it off. I'm like, give me that. Yeah. So I pushed it back in, and it kind of stuck. But then a couple minutes later, it popped, out, popped out. out. And all of his putts were missing left because the toe was out farther than the heel. Wow. I'm like, oh, my God. You've got to be kidding me. Like, that's the reason why? That's the reason we take cuts. So now we check his putter. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, now they don't have those inserts. Yeah. 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 But yeah. that's the kind of guy he is. I, I told him, I go, you know, we should probably not say this to anybody yeah. to make any mm. excuses. And his dad was on, the, on board. And, and, uh, and just it's interesting when you, when you look at someone like Xander, how long have you been working with him? And actually, what's, what have you done to help him? He, like you say, he wasn't really holding those putts when he was in college, but what, what have you done to actually help him? Um, from the very beginning, he, he, so I have a system where I want all my players to be calibrated. And what I mean by calibrated is like, if they're looking at a putt, um, let's say it's a straight putt, we'll use a digital level and we'll measure it to make sure it's straight and I'll have them stare at it. Because when he looked at a straight putt, he thought it was, if I remember correctly, I got a dominant. He thought straight was left to right. So he'd hit it on the left edge or three quarters of the ball outside left and it would miss left and he thought, oh, I pulled it when he didn't. Mm. And so we do these exercises of calibrating our eyes and calibrating our feel. Um, so we'll line up some balls and, and, and make sure that they look straight when they're in a straight line um, so how he turns his head is really important, but aiming, we're always working on his aim because, you know, like most really, really good players, they hit it where they're aimed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in my experience in working with some really good players on the tour, nobody really aims well. Yeah. You know, they think they're aiming well, because you have to assume as a good player, you have to assume you read it right. You have to assume your ball started on your target line. Um, and very rarely do people do that. Yeah. I mean, the best of the best. Mm. So, and starting with him, that's kind of where it started and we found out, I mean, he would look at putts, a right to left, maybe a right edge putt from 10 feet and he'd have it going the other way. Like he was, it was pretty off. But then we taught him like, 
hey, how are you seeing this? How are you picturing all this? And then we use the digital level again to put it down and go, okay, well, obviously the ground is not moving the way you think it's moving. So you need to kind of relearn how you see slope. And it's, I think it's very, very, very common. But more, more really retraining his eyes because yeah. his eyes have been seeing something totally different to what he, he, you know, he thinks. But so now, when he puts a digital level down, if, if like say we're, we're in this room right now, let's say that it was, uh, it was tilted. He could tell you from where his ball is, he could guess within one-tenth of a degree what the slope is at the hole, what the slope is in the middle, and what the slope is at his ball. That's how clean his eyes are. Nice. And, yeah. it's and I just started doing that with Charlie literally a few days ago before he went to the shark shootout. And because you, you're able to measure that and then put the, the visual to the measurements, it's like the constant training and, okay, this is what I'm seeing, this is what's actually happening. Matching those two up consistently over time is just... Yeah, I mean, Carl Welty, I, who I've told you guys about um, several <laughs> times, Carl was using a digital level before... Any aim point, vector putting, anything, he was using a digital level to figure out the slope of the ground. And one of his, like, if you look at Ben Crane, his putting is why he's mm -hmm. on tour. Yeah. Like, that guy can put the light eyes out of it. I mean, and his short game's amazing. And Crane used to actually hit it really far. He went 122 miles an hour when he was younger. Okay. And Carl taught him, his body can't handle it anymore. Mm. Um, his back is, he's, he's got some back issues, but... Um, Crane was kind of the first guy that understood, hey, that's a that's a 1.5, I need to play X amount of break from 10 feet with greens that are stemmed 12. Mm. So Xander's got a little measurement system that he uses when he looks at a putt and goes, oh, that's a 1.0, that should be from six feet, that's X amount outside the left or right edge. I mean, he's broken it down that far. Like, I, I to me, um, He's a, he's a huge student of the game. Yeah. yeah. You know, he wants to learn. There's no stone left unturned. And he went with his body and his trainer, Ron, this gal, Rana. I mean, he... He goes with him everywhere by the looks of it. Every time we see Xander, the trainer's there, yeah? I assume it's the trainer. Um, she, yeah. She, oh, sorry, she, no, I'm thinking someone else. Yeah. She, she travels with him a little bit, not that yeah. much. Um, but, he, you know, when it comes to his body and, and learning about his body and what works for him from cryotherapy to all this compression stuff and... He's got this little gun that like, yeah, yeah. Tilt, like vibrates. I saw, um, I think it was Derek Rose for, for like in the NBA. He was yeah, sitting yeah. on the sidelines and he's the therapy gun. Yeah, um, but so he doesn't leave any stone unturned. So when it comes to his putting, you know, one of the biggest things is when every time he comes home, for the most part, well, there was a stretch this year where he didn't, um, which we can talk about later if you guys want. But um, every time he comes home, we. We look at it, we film it in a very specific way, and and just make sure that he's wired tight, that yeah. that he's aiming correctly, that his reads are on, you know, that his ball's starting online, that all the things that encompass a good putter are are dialed yeah. in. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because people listening to this now will go, well, there's no nowhere on earth. We'll talk about this later on amateur golfers. We'll continue with these guys for the moment, but. They'll be thinking, there's no way on earth I can do that. But it's just that attention to detail and then sticking to that attention to detail. It doesn't need to be as much as that for amateur golfers, but it just there needs to be some attention to detail that they actually stick to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always talk about just from amateurs to pros. I mean, what are your goals? Because mm -hmm. I have kids that I teach that are junior players that want to play in high school or high school players that want to play in college and college players 
you know, that want to turn professional. And so you've got Latino in Canada, web. Okay, well, do you, obviously you want to make it to the PGA Tour, but are you willing to do what it takes? Because when Xander comes in, we're, we putt, you know, for four hours straight. And he won't go get, he won't eat lunch until he feels like, you know, guys will come around, hey, let's go play. Nope, I got to get my eyes right. I'm not, I'm not seeing straight correctly. And mm -hmm. he would stand there for hours and hours and hours until it's right. Like, are you willing to do that? Is everybody yeah. willing to do that? Yeah, that's the hard part. So yeah, yeah. So obviously, we we know that you work with Charlie Hoffman as well. Now, from outside, and I don't know. We've met we met Xander, never met Charlie. Those characters they seem quite different as characters. Then correct me if I'm wrong. But how do you deal with two different? What I would perceive, I think Andy would perceive as different personalities. Yeah. So Charlie's the. Charlie's one of the nicest guys you ever met too. Super giving, has a charity. He gives he gives away money like, well, not to me, but <laughs> <laughs> he gives away money, you know, to to really good causes all the time. I mean, he's he's great, and he's one of the hardest headed guys. Like we argue about everything. I mean, we'll argue about American football. We're, we'll argue. I don't really get into politics or religion or anything like that. But it doesn't matter. I mean, we're, we're just butt heads because we're kind of the same personality, I guess, if you will, kind of strong. And just, okay, you know, if you're, our arguments, he's always wrong, but he'll never, he'll never <laughs> admit it. But I think that's what makes him so great. Yeah. You know, he just believes in himself to know it. I mean, his golf swing is ridiculously good. Yeah. And it's so simple it and he stripes it. Like, he'll yeah. hit balls up on the range up here and he'll go, did you hear that? I'm like hear what he's like that gun that just went off and he's you know hitting irons and it's just like whoosh, whoosh. you know the sound is just so good but but his personality it's like when he when we sit in this room and we look at his video and he'll sit there and and he'll he'll even argue with me about some of the stuff and I'm showing him like dude no like this that yeah I mean how can you argue with me right now you can't this your ball is not starting on your target line you know all this stuff and 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 just recently um, he, he puts, plays really well at Augusta. And he was talking about it and he goes, you know, because I can see the picture on big sloping greens. He played well at Shinnecock. Um, when there's greens that have a lot of slope, he can see it. And he can make breaking putts because, generally speaking, he starts his ball on his line, he aims really well, he rolls it better now. He used to chip with his putter. I mean, we'd add loft and we'd watch the ball launch. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Um, but he said just recently, a few days ago, the problem I have is the ones, and I think this is to be true too, the hardest putts to make obviously are breaking putts because speed has to match the line. But the hardest ones to read are the ones that don't, don't they're very it. slight, mm -hmm. you know, oh, could this, could this hold here? Is it gonna turn here? Type of thing, and, and he's like, I, that, that's what I have problems with. And it's the first time he shared with me after five or six years that he thought he had an issue. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, how are we gonna fix this? Well, dude, we could have fixed this a long time ago if you'd have known. So I did the same level drill with him that I did with Xander. And so do you guys, are you familiar with um, Dr. Robert Grober? Dr. Grober, he's, he's on the board for TPI. He's a physicist. No, 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 came up with this idea he called putting trajectories. That there was a spot above the hole on a planar surface that would be the correct, if as long as on a straight line, so above the hole on the straight line, where it could be 
pretty close to the correct read for every putt around the hole as long as it's the same distance and you hit it close to the same speed. So I showed this to Charlie and he was like, there's no way this works. It's it, impossible. But that's how, this is, this is aim point, I, I think, part of it. And um, so I go, okay, well, let's test it. So we found kind of a planar surface on the green and, and I said, okay, well, if this is a straight line and we put the level down, then we put a string and we put a T above the hole. So we went to like three o'clock and nine o'clock, kind of the bigger breaking putts, yeah. and had him choose a spot. And I said, okay, so just walk around and tell me if that's the correct read for every putt. And he was like, holy <laughs> like, <laughs> it, this works. It, it, it looks correct. I'm like, yeah. So now when you scan, if you know where your ball is relative to the straight putt line, and you can see straight, so that's where the whole eye calibration came in, you'll know within the smallest, at least it's a starting point. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. you can move it off of that. And he was floored. As was I when I first saw it, because I said the same thing to Doc. I'm like, there's no way this could be true. And he's like, it's math. It's true. I'm like, okay, let's prove it. And I'll be damned. I mean, if they weren't going in, they were really, really close. And then, you know, who knows if I'm starting my ball online. But <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Right? <laughs> exactly. So the, the, some of the, the issues that you're seeing with the, some of these guys, do you see the same problems amongst amateurs? And, and what are the biggest things that you see that, let's say the, the, the members here at Grand Del Mar, what are they struggling with? There, do you see differences or is it the same thing just on a bigger scale? It's, it's the same thing on a bigger scale. Because um, you'd be shocked when you looked at touring professionals, how, you know, I'm not going to say all of them, but, but the majority of them, they don't, there's no, so the hard thing about putting is there's no feedback. The only mm -hmm. feedback you get is if the ball goes in, but you would never bet your life that, oh, I'm aimed perfectly at my spot and it started perfectly online. Like you would never bet your life that, Bec but, but mm -hmm. when you hit a seven iron and it slices, oh, my face was open to my path mm -hmm. and yeah. there's that, the ball gives you the feedback because it's in the air flying, but when yeah. there's a ball on the ground rolling, there's no feedback. So when you compare members that have jobs and work 60 hour weeks and play on Saturday and Sunday and don't practice during the week to tour players, you know, the, the, the differences are massive, but they're still in the same, yeah. you know, it's, Hey, this is in this side of the boat and this is in yeah. this side of the boat. Um, but I, I would say I see more. So generally speaking, the, the, the players that I see, 99% of them under-read and then try and overplay. Mm -hmm. So they'll look at a putt from six feet that's, let's say it's a cup outside right. They'll say, oh, this is inside right edge, but then they'll aim, try and aim a cup outside right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it's more than that. And they'll still miss it low. Mm. You know, so I don't know where that whole pro side and amateur side came from. Because in my world, if you miss, it's a miss. I don't care if the miss is high or low. You know, it doesn't really matter. But the 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 biggest things are, and then amateurs' strokes are awful. I mean, they're just it's a train wreck. But they don't train. They, no, like they don't. They don't, don't, practice, they don't practice. So how is it going to get better? Yeah. And if you think you about know. it, I think when we've seen you coach and done some work with you, Derek, it's you know you've got to read the putts. Can you read the putts? Can you aim the putts? And can you start it on that line? And yeah. the, a lot of these amateurs, they're misreading the putts. 
they're misaiming the putts, yes. and they're not starting anywhere near their aiming. So they've got all these strings that are that are out of whack, right. let's say. Right. But they still might hold a putt. Right. <laughs> so it's like, and then it's like, well, how if we've got all these three things out of out of place? You know, again, with what you do, it's calibration. It's saying, yeah. okay, first of all, can I read it correctly? Can I aim it correctly? And now can I start it on on the line that I'm choosing? And I think that's you know, with Charlie, with Xander, these are the things that you're you're really trying to to make sure that the, the read is right, the aim is right, and the stroke is gonna match that. Yeah. So I always tell guys, well look, if your reads are terrible, then you need a bad stroke and bad aim to get lucky to get it on the line that it needed to be to make it. And so <laughs> you'll see somebody, um, so Charlie does, in, you know, these guys, they do pro-ams. And I'll walk with them and, you know, and, and hang out, you know, at tour events. and. And I'll, uh, you know, one of the AMs will say, hey, pro, what do you see here? And, you know, it might be a 15-foot putt with three feet of break. And Charlie will go, oh, yeah, that's, that's about three, three and a half feet outside left. And the, and the AM will go, I see a cup. Yeah. But then they'll get over it and they'll aim three feet outside left. Mm. But they don't know that they're doing it. That's the other part about it. So if you're a really good reader, now all of a sudden you have to have a good stroke, you have to have good aim, you have to have good contact, the tempo has to be right to control speed. I mean, there's so many things that you have to do right now that you've read it correctly. Whereas, <clears throat> you know, you talk to some of your students and, and they go, man, I made everything yesterday and today I didn't make a thing. But, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Xander and I had a conversation um, just a few days ago because he, he went and played in Tiger's deal in the Bahamas. And he goes, you know, I, I never putted great all year long. I didn't, there wasn't just a few weeks where I just putted the eyes out of it. But he goes, but I never putted bad either. It's like I never really putted bad. And so, you know, if, if, you, if you can get in that world and then, so where you never really putt bad, mm -hmm. and then have those few weeks where, where you just make everything, that's how you yeah. win. Yeah. I mean, why is Tiger and Phil and some of these guys, these greats that have been out there for 30 years, mm -hmm. 20 years, not one-hit wonders, mm -hmm. how do they stay out there for that? You have to be able to putt. You can't not be able to putt because mm -hmm. you're not going to hit it, you know, like this all every tournament you play in. I mean, for Tiger to make that, how many consecutive cuts in a row? What, what, what was that number? I don't know. It was, it was incredible. Crazy. It was, it was like years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. never missed a cut. Yeah. Like, how do you, I mean, hello? Yeah. <laughs> like. You can't have bad putting weeks. Mm -hmm. You cannot. It has to be consistent, and, and these guys have done it, you know, 20 plus years. They, they are phenomenal, aren't they? They are phenomenal. So, so okay, let's, let's get into a few more questions about, you know, I mean, you hear this a lot, you know, the balance between science and art. You know, as far as, you know, is it a science, is it an art, is it a blend of the two? What's your thoughts on that? Because obviously you use technology, but there seems to be an artistic flair to it as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, um, well, the science part, I mean, you can't refute it, right? Yeah, um, But there are some guys that I just want to feel the ball in the hole. Okay, that's fine, as long as you're doing what is correct. Because mm -hmm. if your feel is something totally different than you know, what you're seeing or what's actually happening, how long is that going to last? Hmm. You, know, you know, for me, 
okay, I love the feel aspect of it. From setup, stroke, tempo, you know, now we have this, um, these devices that measure tempo. Mm -hmm. um, the blast motion sensors and the SAM putt lab and the Quintic ball roll, which I think is unbelievable, you know, to actually know what's happening. It's like track man for putting. Mm -hmm. um, so we have all this technology to tell us what's happening, but if you tell me I have to go 0 0.6, 0 0.3 with mm -hmm. my tempo, 60, 30, I'd never make a putt. Yeah. I'm like 0 0.74, it's two to one, but it's slower. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change that. Like that's what feels good to me. And if I did try and change it, like, okay, to get it really, really good, how long is it gonna take me? Yeah. Um, I had a kid that played at USC who was a left aimer. I mean, every single putt he aimed left. And for the years that he was at USC, he was number one strokes gained because his balls, he, he would change the orientation of the face and the stroke and start it online every time. And so I told him, I said, his name's Bobby Gowanko. I said, Bobby, what do you want to do? Because if we change your aim, you're screwed. You're gonna it's going to take you so long to fix it and then trust it. And he goes, and because I, I said, are you going to turn professional? Do you want to play at the highest level? Is this a road you want to go down? And he goes, I'm not going to turn professional. I said, we're going to leave it as it is. And he goes, that's fine. Cool. Like he, you know, he was at, at the time, you know, he's a 19, 20 year old kid. Mm -hmm. And if, if it ain't broke, don't fix then it. don't fix it. Mm -hmm. It's like Dustin Johnson, would you change this bowed wrist at the time? And if you did, you'd probably never hear of him again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we got to, as coaches, we have to be careful what we fix or what we think is important. You know, so, and that was his feel. But the science of it was he started his ball on his target line. Yeah. And he, and he was a good reader. And we see this a lot, this, you know, with some of the guys that we coach. And it's, you know, the, the, where they aim is, can be just miles out. Yeah. But what then happens is that they condition a stroke based on the aim to get the ball starting somewhere near to their target line. So you again, as you mentioned, you change their aim and their stroke all of a sudden now is producing the wrong outcome. Yes. So it's a tough thing to change unless you can dedicate a lot of time Correct. to actually con conditioning where am I aiming and then training a stroke that matches where you're aiming again there now. So for the guys who are listening to this who don't have loads of time, mm -hmm. as you mentioned there, it's like sometimes changing that just because it doesn't look right doesn't mean if you change it, it's going to help them unless they put so much time into it. Yeah, I mean, so we were talking about this earlier before this whole podcast thing started. It's like, you know, I film all these players and none of them really look the same, you know, full swings or whatever. And, and so I call it, you know, everybody has their own style, if you will. And what works for them works for them. So you know, different setups and different putting strokes. I mean, when Billy Mayfair, hmm. I, I don't know if you yeah, yeah. remember his putting yeah. stroke, yeah. super cut stroke, yeah. and I filmed his putting at Riviera one year. I asked him, I said, hey, do you mind if I film your putting stroke? And he goes, man, I don't want to break your camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious, right? But he's got a line on the ball and this huge cut stroke, and the line on the ball rolled perfectly, end over end. It didn't wobble at all. And so I took the video and I was like, and I went back to Carl's house in Palm Springs and I go, how is this possible? This, this, is impo this should not happen. And, he's, and 
I didn't know at the time, I know now, that if the ball never gets in the air, and I call it friction, Dr. Gober calls it drag, um, if the ball never launches and it only rolls end over end, it doesn't have opportunity to the tilt, opportunity to tilt the spin axis. Yeah. But at the time I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him like, this stroke is gross, but he made putts. Mm -hmm. And then he, I saw him, the last time I saw him, he had this device where there was this rod and these two clear plastic things and there's holes on either end that he had to roll the ball through and he's working on his stroke path. When's the last time you heard of Billy Nicker? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't hear his name. Mm -hmm. He's a Champions Tour guy now. Yeah. He's got to be. But he won on the PGA Tour. Yeah. So why is he not winning? Yeah. Like, we'll be careful. Do, like, you know, yeah. so for your listeners at home, you know, I worked on my stroke every day on the grout line on the tile. I just had a putter in the kitchen, and I would pick it up, and I'd stand over it, and I'd try and get my eyes close to the grout line, you know. Now we have mirrors and all this stuff. And I would just pick the putter up and move it back and forth for a few seconds, put it down and go do whatever I was going to do. I mean, if that's all the time you have, I mean, you got to do something if you want to train a, a good stroke. And that's, that's just what I did, you know. And the, it, people that are in the office, if they have carpet in their office or whatever, they're, you know, they, they, you could put a piece of tape on the ground, and if you want to arc it, you can go, okay, well, I'm just, I don't even have a ball, so I'm gonna work on somebody's stroke. A lot of times, we don't even use a ball. Mm. We'll just make them move the putter. You know, if their setup is funky, they can get in front of a mirror if it's causing some issues. But people that don't have time, you have to find time somewhere, or don't complain, Yeah. right? Don't complain about your scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting, isn't it, for sure, for sure. So, okay. I heard a rumor that you have more videotapes of golfers than anybody else in the world. Is that true? And what are you going to do with it? What do you do? With so it? that's it. Yes, I do. Um, Carl Welty filmed and his dad filmed in the 40s from the same camera angles that I film from now. Um, Jim, Jim McLean can attest to this. So I kind of became Carl's filmer in the mid 90s, if you will. Um, so I have. You know, at the time, there were high 8 tapes, then they turned to mini-DV tapes, and now we have these little cards that you just stick in the camera. And I'll just go and film all the best players in the world from the same angles, be it front view, rear, um, film their, their backside, and then down the target line. Um, chipping, pitching, uh, it's hard to get putting, but now I'm a little more brazen where I'll just walk onto the green with guys because I have credentials to be on the golf sure. course. But, and so I'll just walk on the green. And most of the guys, I don't know if they know me, but you know, I'll ask them, is, hey, is it okay? You know, if they say no, I won't film them. But um, yeah, I mean, I have um, tons hmm. of it. Terry Rolls is a buddy of mine. I don't know if you know who Terry yeah, is. Yeah, stuff, yeah. And he used to come film with me. He doesn't really film that much anymore. And is he from San Fran? Is that, is he? Yeah. He, he's in Arizona now. Arizona, yeah. Um, he he's he's got his own kind of golf school going. Um, but yeah, he used to come and film with me and, and that's where we met, just filming. You know, I, I, go out to, I go out to tour events and nobody's filming. It's like if you're a golf professional and you want to teach, mm. why wouldn't you be out here creating your own library of how you film your students? and. Mm -hmm. You know, video is not everything. I mean, obviously, there's 3D at the AMM and the KVEST and all this stuff. <clears throat> so we have 3D and we have 2D. But 3D is way more expensive than 2D. Mm -hmm. 
right? So, and then back in the back in the days, I mean, Carl was the first guy to ever film somebody and teach him golf. I mean, he was doing it with Gene Littler. So, and and you know, even before. So, um, yeah, I, I, the the library is extensive, and it's it's pretty cool to just kind of sit back and, and look at how different everybody is. And yeah, some of the older guys as well. Though, yeah, yeah, Sneed and yeah. Hogan, and I was I think I was talking Unreal. about Suchek and. You know some old Gary Player stuff and Guy Berger. I mean, it just it's 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 and it's the original stuff that Carl did is real to real movie film. Mm. And I think oh, I was telling you earlier. You know, th there wasn't a shutter speed control to make everything clear, so you put a fan in front of the, <laughs> and it was super loud. I guess he he was filming Sneed at La Costa one year, and Sneed did a funny story. He had brought because I guess Sneed was. A little ornery sometimes. It, it, okay. He could he could be a little. Hey, yeah. get away from me! You know what yeah. are you doing? So he brought this big guy with the Carl brought this big guy with him, and he set up the camera on the first tee, and he was filming. And Sneed turned around and he walked over and he's, and he's, and the guy that Carl brought walked out and was like, "What are you gonna do about it?" <laughs> yeah. And Sneed turned around and he went and he, hit, and he left. But that's I mean it's kind of funny stories like that where, where it's you know I've got old David Duvall you know from nice. the you know, late 90s when he was the number one player in the world and, you know, so, okay, so here we go talking about changing, not to change the subject, but, you know, he's a little chubbier and nobody hit it better than he did. Yeah. But then, okay, well, I got to keep up with Tiger. Yeah. So he lost all the weight and his body changed and he probably changed the way he moved. I mean, who knows? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, working on his swing or whatever. I mean, mm. dead shut, strong grip, swing left. Buttercut all day yep. long, phase, yeah. and it was just he could find it in the middle of every fairway, and he stuffed it, and he was a good putter, and but you know, it's yeah that spell didn't it? Yeah that spell. Yeah yeah that spell for sure. So back to a little bit of sort of practice, really. If I think one of the the struggles with a, a lot of amateur golfers is just time to actually practice. Like yeah. you say, you talked about Xander having four hours. The luxury of him having four hours to put to work on his putting is just not doable generally for the majority yeah. of the listeners here. So, if somebody's got thirty minutes a week to practice their putting, what what would you say that thirty minutes should look like? Uh, if they've got thirty minutes a week, um, I think one of the biggest things. So, if you could start your ball online, and you knew that it was pretty close, you know, the majority of the time. Um, so we came up with these putting plates, right? And there was a product out there before that I loved it until I filmed it and saw the ball not launch. It was launching off the thing, flying over the, the gate. And I said, well, I can't, I can't use this anymore. It has to be better. So we came up with this idea of, of making a super thin one where we can anchor it into the ground and force people to hit it where they said they want to hit it. Whether the stroke is any good or not, yeah. I mean, if you get on the plate and you can get it through the gate seven out of ten times, mm -hmm. five out of ten times. And if you do hit the gate, you're just barely hitting it. You know your ball's close. Well, then it's like, okay, well. You're doing a good job. Yeah, you're doing, <laughs> I mean, for the, for, the, for the amateur player that doesn't get to practice much, ball start line would be something I would do. Even if it was a straight putt, not a breaking putt, if you found a straight putt, if you had a string line, you could take two chopsticks and, you know, put yarn on it, you don't have to go buy some crazy, and then you stick two tees on either side of the string and you know, get it through, get it through, get it through. Okay, well, at least my ball is starting where I'm aiming the putter, right? And once you go and do that, I would practice randomly. Yeah. I, because you, like the kids, you know, these junior golfers that do have time, 
they'll stand over the same putt or you know do the circle drill from four yeah. feet okay that's good for a certain amount of time but mm -hmm. at some point I mean you gotta putt randomly because that's I mean golf is the most random sport mm -hmm. of all sports like you play basketball the dimensions of the court are the same the height of the hoop is the same every gym you walk into football field the same baseball the diamond where the bases are in the mound is the same tennis courts the, the same golf is the only thing the same golf course you can play from different tees the wind changes they watered it's yeah. softer it's firmer it's always different so if you don't practice your putting at some point randomly you're not you're, you're, not, you're not challenging yourself though, yeah right? Yeah, and, you're, and then now all of a sudden you're not being able to use your imagination and see pictures like I was telling you, Charlie. He's like, I see pictures. I see like videos of my ball rolling where it needs to roll when the putts have curved to it. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, okay, I'm going to spend a few minutes making sure my ball is starting online. I might spend two minutes. So Xander's warm-up routine before he goes out and plays a tournament round. We find a dead straight putt. We have a tight gate with a string line where he'll spend three or four minutes making sure his ball's starting online. So I just did mm. And then we'll go to the plates where he'll have them set up. Austin Kaiser is his caddy. And so, you know, whatever Xander's doing, the first thing he does is come to the putting green and all these drills are set up for. I mean, he yeah. has that luxury, right? So we set up a putting, breaking putt with a putting plate left to right, right to left. He'll do that for a few minutes. He'll play a game called Leapfrog. Seen Are you familiar that, yeah. with this? So, so I saw him do yeah. that, yeah. Yep. One so one ball other. has to go yeah. past the next, past the next, past the next. If it's short, he has to start over. And yeah. then he's only got X amount of feet to get as many balls in as he can. Yeah. He'll do it uphill, downhill. And then one of the things that I thought was interesting, he'd, go, he'd get on one side of the green and he'd hit a lag putt, just a random lag putt, and he'll go, I want to hit this 57 feet. And then he'll hit it, and it'll be up and over a ridge or something kind of quirky and he'll pace it off and it'll go 63 feet. And then he'll put it back the other direction and try and hit it the same distance, but it's, it might be going downhill that mm -hmm. time. So now he's got his barometer of, okay, that stroke made the ball go 63 far, feet. Yeah. It was a little off of what I thought. I was trying to hit it 57. So I'd never seen him do that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he'll do that and then we do putts where if I have, if I give him a breaking putt, I want him to make it at three different speeds. So I'll have him pick a low line, I'll have him pick a high line, and I'll have him pick a, a regular line. So he'll he'll make it this, you know, the same putt on yeah. three different paces. Again for feel, mm -hmm. right? So we'll do right to left, left to right, and then random. We'll we'll work on aiming. So we'll have him put a tee in the ground and have him set up to a ball, line his ball up, do the whole thing move the ball out of the way, slide the plate in front of his putters, then he'll step back and look to see where the plate's aimed, and if it's off, we'll take a string line and we'll adjust it. We'll have him put his putter back up to the plate, we'll move the plate out of the way, and then he'll stand over it and go, holy cow, that feels like I'm aimed left, or oh yeah. my god, that feels like I'm aimed right, but it's not. And so it goes back to calibration. So yeah. his, his putting warm-up routine, depending on how clean everything is, is anywhere from 30, to 45 minutes mm -hmm. so if somebody did that once a week they they're gonna get better yeah you know they're not gonna you know especially if their reads are, are, are getting better and their aim is getting better yeah and a lot I think that you know we obviously we've got some of the putting plates and they're great because ultimately whether your stroke is looks pretty or 
it doesn't ultimately if we can get it starting online and for the general guys who who are going out every weekend the last thing really they should be thinking about is too many technical yeah. moves sure. because they they want to you know it's just not going to help them on the golf course so if they can calibrate starting the golf ball on their line without having to think so much about what's going on with the putter then they're going to see some benefit of that without actually having to think so much yeah you know, so there's a, there's an argument there, right? So there are some sports psychologists, the guys that teach the, the mind stuff, that say, I don't want you thinking about anything. I want your mind to be blank. But then a lot of players will tell you, God, I just had this one feel, this one yeah. thought that I was, you know, my, my right arm was just a little bit lower, my right arm was just a little, and I striped it. So there's there's different thoughts about that. But, I mean, I've been in some really dark places with the butter in my hand. You know, thinking about all kinds of things like, which where am I getting my grip pressure on my fingers, and and you, you know, and because the thoughts can creep in there. But now all of a sudden, it's like how many times do you have your amateurs, and they fall in love with a line, and then they either rip it through the break or they leave it short, and they yeah, yeah. because they're just thinking line, 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 yeah, line, yeah, line, yeah. and they forget how hard to hit it. Yeah, you know, it's so th even simple things like that can creep in. But yeah, I mean, if you have too many technical thoughts, you know, one okay. But if you have, oh, okay, my ball position, forward shaft lean, stroke path, centeredness of contact, tempo, yeah. all these things, you're not going to make it. No, <laughs> no. There's I no mean, room to judge it. distance then, is there? There's no room to think about what you've got in no. front of you, that you when your attention's all down here. Yeah, you can't put it in the ocean standing on the beach no. yeah. if you've got yeah. too many thoughts. Yeah. So, it's, so it's, it's a slippery slope for sure. Yeah. But that's what our amateurs do because they come in for lessons and then it's like, oh, you gotta fix this, you gotta fix that, you gotta fix that. And oh, by the way, your reads suck. Like, I mean, you know, that's why when I have a guy, like I was telling you, I had a web guy that drove out from Arizona a couple days ago. And I mean, I think I gave him two things in four hours. And he texted me the other day and he's like, oh my God, like, it's getting better. I'm like, dude, you're just getting your feet wet. Yeah. Like, let's, but just pump the brakes, Yeah. stick to what we're talking about and, you know, We'll improve. You know, we'll see you again in a month or so or whatever and keep improving. Brock McKenzie, okay. familiar with that, yeah, that name? Yeah, so he's at third state or finals at Q School right now yeah. and had a horrible year, got injured um, last year. And he's one of my guys, but I saw him like twice. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole thing with Xander in the middle of the year. I saw him at Shinnecock and then I didn't see him again until the PGA Championship. Okay. And it was like this slap on the wrist hey, dude. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why you're not like SOS nine one one. Hey, can you come out to the PGA Championship? Yeah. I can't make it anything. And I, when we saw him, it was like you had chances to come when you were home. Mm -hmm. You chose not to, and so we'll never do that again. Yeah. So he's still learning, yeah, right? Of course, so yeah, 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 yeah. It's still early yeah, days for him, isn't it? Really, he's twenty five. Yeah, I mean, he's twenty five, and and if you saw him, if you saw him putt. You go. This guy's the best putter in the world. Like yeah. he doesn't misread. He doesn't. It, 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 Grover talks about acts of randomness all the time. Yeah. I mean, you could have everything perfect, and a patch of grain holds yeah. the ball where you thought it was going to break, and yeah. you miss. Wind. You know, wind. Mm -hmm. I know there's a putt at the Open Championship on a par three, like this 16th hole or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 16. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, Xander's in contention, and yeah, he, he stuffed it. And he, he, so he hits his putt, oh, yeah, he did and, it, and it, I think it stayed high. And he, was look, he turned and he looked at Austin like, oh my God, I can't believe that missed. 
there was a gust of wind that hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exposed green, that's raised that green. Well, there's nothing you can do about that, is there? It's like, no. well, look, he's produced a good stroke, he's hit a good putt, and that's the random miss of golf, is I mean, yeah, I, I remember Nicholas saying, you know, some of the best putts I hit never went in. Mm. It's because yeah. some of it's just random. Yeah. So I have a friend that I'm learning some green reading stuff from um, in Augusta, Georgia, who I met just last year um, going to the Masters. And he's got this putter, um, calls it Egos, um, that plumb bobs, but he's a um, surveyor. So he's, he's an engineer. And so he's teaching me, okay, well, if you hold the putter like this and you turn your head a specific way, you can see a gap. He calls it an angle gap. He'll love that I'm talking about this. Right? <laughs> he calls it an angle gap, and depending on how fast the greens are and how sloped they are, I'm just this is so fast going through this because I don't even understand it as well. I think as I remember as you I talking should. about it last time a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So depending on how fast, how many angle gaps you should play, and then you're done. Now you still have to aim there, and you still have to hit it there. Mm -hmm. And I'll be damned if it if it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty scary. But you take a tour player. That's gonna be hard for them to kind of go. Okay, I'm just gonna do it this way. Like yeah. prove they want the proof. They Presented. want all the stuff. And and then, you know, are they are they gonna be able to hold their putter perfectly straight up and down? So that's where his putter comes in. He's got it patented where, you know, when any direction you turn it, it hangs perfectly hangs straight down. down. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty cool. I'm I'm learning more more and more about it, but. Um, yeah, it's this Egos, Egos. Um, expert green yeah, reading yeah. operating system, I think okay. is what he called it. Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. That's good, that works. Yeah, that pretty works. cool. Yeah, for sure. I th yeah, I think, look, I mean, it's, um, we can talk about this all day with you because we love it. We love how much you, um, how much passion, how much knowledge, but how much you just, you know, you bleed golf. You know, you want to learn, you want to help people. And I think that's really good. And we, it's very infectious when you're with us. But we're still going to do some more questions. We've got some quick fire questions. Okay. Now these are one word answers. Okay. This is hard work for anybody to answer these. Okay. So we're going to take it in turns, sort of reaming these off. So first of all, for me, biggest influence? Carl Welty, two words, one name. Uh, pace or line? Both. I said that. That's one word. That's one word. I didn't say that. That's fine. We thought you'd say that. We thought you'd say that. Money game partner, Tiger or Phil? Phil. He just knows how to gamble. <laughs> Who's best at putting, you or Charlie Hoffman? Me. Yes! <laughs> no, I, I, Charlie, Charlie, I, you know, he, he, he knows what he's doing and I, I just don't practice like he does. So, I, I, but if, if, if I got the putt, time, if I got a putt, if I got somebody that I need to make a putt, it's going to be him or him or Xander. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know that I would choose myself. I used to, but not yeah. anymore. Best putting display you've ever seen? <sighs> Best putting display I've ever seen. Boy. So this is a long answer. There was a girl that played golf at, at um, Stanford. Her name was Sydney Burleson. Her brother Jay played at Cal. We did this drill called read and putt. She made 27 of 27. And I've never seen anybody, not even Xander. I mean, everything was perfect. Ball started online, aim was good, reads were good. That, that, it, um, incredible. Never seen it before, and I haven't seen it since. Brilliant. Very decent. Uh, best ever, sorry, best putter you've ever had? 
Rossi, the Rossi two Tyrannite. Um, just so easy to line up, and yeah, the Rossi. Fantastic. And I got it from Bob Rossberg. There you go. Even He's the guy that designed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Still got it. Still got it. Yeah, yeah. Best pussy you ever had. Oh my God! It was this. I don't even know what it was called, but it was. I think it was like the one that Nicholas had. The McGregor oh response. Oh my! It was massive. It looked <laughs> like response, the size of yeah. your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the first one I, I think I ever had, and I got it from a buddy of mine that got me into golf. Todd the Smith. Sil the silver one. It was, it was silver. Like it was like well, I mean, it could have been even been whitish. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it had some color to it for sure. Aluminium almost it looked. Yeah, I remember. That. Yeah, it was. It was. It looked like a. <laughs> looked like an axe. <laughs> Okay, so we do this with everyone as well on the podcast, ultimate golfer, so building the ultimate golfer, so who you've ever experienced, so driving, irons, um, short game, putting, what would you say, building the ultimate golfer, who's the best that you've seen? Uh, Fred Funk with the driver um, mm, for, for accuracy. Yeah. Um, I guess distance-wise, it would probably have to be a guy like Dustin Johnson or, mm -hmm. or Brooks Kepkus or this new kid, Cameron Champ from yeah. Sac mm -hmm. Sacramento. I, he bombs it. Yeah. He's fearless. Um, putter to have to go with Xander. Um, just because I, I mean, I just, I know what he does. Short game, pitching, Chris Riley. I, I just, I've hit him around the greens is a joke. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can get it up and down from a thimble. Irons. Uh, got got to be Tiger. Um, the mental side probably has to be Tiger as well. Mm. Um, just to steal trap. Yeah. Gambling, Phil. For <laughs> yeah. sure. You know he just knows how to win bets. Yeah, you yeah. know he just yeah. he, he's never gonna lose. He just yeah. knows how to he knows how to how to do that. Um, the thing is, I suppose with that as well, when Phil plays, that you know. There's always something on the line for him. So he's always. competing all the time. Always. It's and not like a casual game. It's like, right, we're going out to compete. And there is no one that loves, truly loves the game more than Phil. Couldn't be. Mm. I mean, he's, his off weeks, he's here. He yeah. practices. He's learning. His, he, he is golf club design. I mean, he does everything. He and he truly loves it. He's got a he's got a driving range in his backyard. I think he has like six lots in Rancho Santa Fe where he built his own driving range, and he goes out and he practices and he practices every day. Like if you, okay, would you take Phil's career? Of course you would. Mm -hmm. And if you were almost fifty years old, would you be practicing as hard as he? <laughs> Probably not. No. I mean, Charlie said that. He's like, God, if I had Phil's career, I don't know that I'd be playing anymore. Mm. You know, but he, and I'm around Phil, so. He lo He truly loves the game. Everything about it. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And that's why you know. Look, that's why he probably gives a lot of his time back to the, to the you know, to the fans and whatever because sure, the sure. game's given him a lot, and oh. he's happy to give back a, a lot to the guys who've given him him a career really. But yeah, I mean, he's he's the modern day Arnold Palmer. Yeah. yeah. His his signature is not going to be worth anything because everybody has it, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things I told Xander. I said, when your signature is worth nothing, you did it right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and he does. He'll stand. Xander will stand there and, and sign until everybody. Charlie's the same way. Yeah. Charlie will sign until everybody's got it. Adults, kids, it doesn't matter. We so had a great, pretty, we had a great cool. story from um, a friend, a, a friend of Arnold Palmer's, who was um, talking about Palmer was witnessing Peter Jacobson doing some signatures, and he was you know 
you know, smashing these signatures out, but Arnold Palmer stopped him and said, listen, son, if someone wants your autograph, make sure they can understand yeah, what the name sure it is. Yeah, make sure they can read it. Yeah. And that was a really good story, and that yeah. just shows you someone like Arnold Palmer. And like you say, there's, a, there's definitely comparables with Phil, isn't it, on that, for sure. For sure, for sure. I tell my kids the same thing, my, my, my own kids. Like, I, my son plays baseball. I'm like, if you ever do anything in this sport, when you sign your name, if mm. you sign a ball, make it legible. Yeah. Because some guys, uh, yeah. yeah, and sure. you, you look at the ball and you're like, Who's that from? Yeah, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's it's. I think Brilliant. Arnold Palmer's. 100%. Yeah, yeah, he got that. He got that right, didn't he? Yeah, he did for sure. Right. Okay. So look, obviously we mentioned putting plates now, and anyone who's listening to this and interested in putting plates, we did a video on that, so they must go and see yep. that video. But mm-hmm. I know you've been very generous to offer a discount code, which they can go to puttingplates.com. Puttingplates.com. Yeah. Enter um, the discount code. Me and my golf. There we go. And they'll get a discount. I, I don't know if it's 10 or 15 percent or, or what it we'll is. We'll put the link in the show notes in, the, in the description anyway, and um, yeah, anyone yeah. who can just click on there and go straight to it. Yeah. But yeah. And now we're doing all these customization things. So mm-hmm. if there's, if you are a golf pro listening to this, mm-hmm. and you have your own brand, yeah, and your own golf school or whatever, and you have the logo that's that's doable, the guy will laser cut the logo in. Um, we're powder coating them now, so we have white. And they look amazing, and and you know we have these phantom holes that you can see. I do it for speed, where the ball will roll over the the phantom hole, mm-hmm. and you can see how far the ball went past the hole, yeah, yeah. and then ask yourself, okay, well it went in, but do I like that speed being seven feet by or whatever the yeah. you know whatever it was. Um, but yeah, they'll get a discount on on all Brilliant. of it. So just and have it, them. And the good thing with these putting places, as you say, the reason you did it is because the hole that the ball sits in is literally, it's, it's, it's not going to jump out of there. It's going to be. Yeah, almost to, it, it, the hole is so small that on really big breaking putts, it's hard to keep it in the hole. Yeah. But we w- would rather have that yes. than have it launch. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Cool. So. And if anyone would want to get a, a golf lesson off you or want to see the stuff you do online, where do they go for that? Um, I don't have a whole lot of stuff online, but they can go to my website. It's yeah. it's DerekWetaGolf.com or DerekWetaGolf or DerekWetaGolf.com. Um, we'll put that as well in there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but my phone number's on there. My email's on there. If people, I get questions all the time. People just email me and ask me questions. Zero problem answering questions. Legend. You know. Perfect. Thank, Thank you very much. Um, yeah. And to finish the podcast, we always end up, I don't know whether you, you've got one, but we should have said this maybe at the start. Um, do you have a favorite quote at all that you that you like, live by, or you've heard that you really uh, that means something to you? Start it online. <laughs> yeah, L- line and pace. Um, a quote, or, or some sort of uh, phrase, or something that we can leave the guys with. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys I talk to, I talk about talent because there's plenty of people out there with talent. And it doesn't matter what it is. You could be you could be writing code, you know. You could. It doesn't matter. But talent plus hard work will always beat just talent. Mm-hmm. And so my own children, I tell them that all the time. <laughs> doesn't really rub off on them because it's coming <laughs> from dad. But you know, my students, you know, hey, yeah. listen, if if you two are equal in talent, but you work harder, Piers is working harder, he's going to beat you. Mm. So yeah, of course, talent, but. Put in the work. The hard work. Yeah, the hard, the work. hard part. It's the hard part. The talent it's part. Hard, it's it's often the talent, the hard work, as we always yeah. talk about yes, it. A lot of, course, of these yeah. golfers, yeah. their talent is ha- their ability to work hard. So. Yeah. And my wife and I argue about, you know, is it God-given or I think everything is learned yeah. in life. I would agree. 
I think you learn how to do everything. You learn how to suck your thumb in the womb before you latch on, right? I mean, I, I, not the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I got three kids, so I can talk about it like that. But, you know, if, 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 if you want to learn to run fast, you can teach yourself how to run fast. Mm. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it. Run. Go out and run fast, as fast as you can, and then run faster the next day and the next day. You'll get faster. Yeah. You know, so it's, I, I just think that, I, I think nurture, that. Nurture, nurture, Yeah, but if nature versus nurture, I think mm. you got to work. you got to yeah. work at it if you want to become great. If you don't, then, then don't. Mm. Perfect. Derek, thank you so much for your time. You got it. Pleasure to see you. I'm sure we'll be back in January and maybe do some more, maybe some videos on stuff that we talked about there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Love to, love to help. And I'll apologize for the cussing. I had to. <laughs> there's only one. There's one. There was only one. one. That's one. It. Disappointed. <laughs> Quick, oh, get it all in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till this is turned off. No. Derek, thanks so much. You got Great it. You. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Me and My Golf podcast. We hope you enjoyed that and got some value from that. And if you did, then please share that episode with a friend. And if you can do us a real big favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a review, it really does help this podcast grow and reach more golfers. And our mission is to help as many golfers around the world as we can play some better golf. So it really would mean a lot to us. One question that we get asked a lot is, Andy Pierce, how can we get coaching from you? Well, now you can have myself and Pierce as your very own personal online golf coach. And we've created a, a platform that infuses our coaching experience and philosophy into a fantastic community that's packed full of weekly videos that will really help transform your golf. We've got coaching plans on specific areas in the game. We have a shot fixer section, which really enables you to fix your faults fast so you can see results immediately on the golf course. And we really want to build a, a tribe of golfers that are committed to playing the best golf of their lives. And like I say now, this is the closest thing that you're going to experience to get me and Pierce on the lesson tee with you. And we'd love to have you part of this fantastic community. So head over to meandmygolf.com and look, have a go. We have a 14-day free trial that you can take advantage of, see what it's like, and if it fits right for you, then fantastic. And we'll hope to see you there. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Me and My Golf podcast.